0: Stay at Home Festival podcast producer Trent here. Cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home is where you can go to drop a tip in the jar to help out venues and acts and performers and artists and poets and musicians and everyone uh, in the performing arts who is out of work at the moment. Cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home. Patreon.com slash bookshambles is where you can go to support us directly if you'd like to do that uh, because that's how we're able to make all these podcasts and episodes and live shows and everything else. Uh, Today's episode is Robin and Josie chatting to the comedian Ed Byrne, the author and epidemiologist Dr. Susie Gage, and some comedy from Lee Ridley, who you might better know as Lost Voice Guy. Here's today's episode. (laughs)
1: Good morning. Welcome to Shambles Stay at Home Festival. Uh, good morning, Josie Long.
2: Good morning. I'm good. My daughter is calling to me through the door of the room. It's actually been a lovely morning, so I'm feeling very chipper and very excited to be here. And also, I thought it was Saturday, and it's
3: not. Oh, it's, it's not the not
1: weekend, weekend yet. Don't weekend, weekend yet. Don't you start relaxing and lying around the house yet? The um, <laughs> this is that's what I was trying to work out because of course tomorrow is the last school day, and then trying to explain no, to the child.
2: Oh, today's friday oh so
1: yeah you're right as you just yeah. said tomorrow is saturday yeah, yeah. so the uh, um but it is so yeah it's the last end, uh, and then you have to work out how do you now remold the small area of where you live into a holiday situation do you use the attic as the equivalent of a trip to rome and then <laughs> here postcards with various different images of detritus that are left around the house how can we replicate these things
2: be And going tri- what's your plans
1: well, we are going gonna to have a holiday in the attic for a while and send some postcards to each other from there. And uh, then there's a little back room, a little corner there, a b- corner there behind some of my books and stuff. And uh, that might be one of the uh, very interesting rural areas that we go and visit. <laughs> so uh, so I think that's going to be the, the best we can do. We, yesterday we did one of those. I, I mean, I, I was saying before, but I love all the different ways that people are using the communication that's there. Uh, my wife's family, they're all connected up to play Trivial Pursuit. So four different branches of family all connected by skype all still having the same arguments the same fury that that blue pie question is so much easier that oh well obviously you're gonna of course it's daryl hannah was a mermaid you know all of those things were, so it was nice it, it replicated christmas without necessarily the physical contact
2: yes, it's, really, it's really beautiful just like christmas i um me and Johnny played Scrabble and had a pie last night, and it really felt like we'd chosen to do that, and that there wasn't other things that we'd rather be doing. That
1: was your date. That was your date night, wasn't it? This is your your monthly date night. Yeah, see,
2: my partner Johnny's got really, really into Instagram. He's going on runs and he's making little videos about his runs, and he's doing about five Instagram posts a day, having before only posted once in two thousand and eighteen. So I mean, it's a big big deal for him, yeah.
1: <laughs> have you got a show and tell this morning this oh brilliant so
2: when i was away on tour i was missing my daughter terribly even though i was only away from her the odd day really um she she won't wear gloves she won't do it she will not tolerate a glove or a hat and it was cold and i'm thinking god how can i convince her so i knitted her these very cute uh fingerless gloves and i also knitted matching gloves for a dolly of hers and a teddy of hers so in kind of three different sizes and a scarf for the teddy and a hat for the teddy and what it meant was that she wouldn't put the gloves on at all and then she lost all the matching gloves so it was a resounding success I only have this one to show for it it's never been worn (laughs) And the worst part is I really, really thought about the pattern and everything. Um, so, yeah, I have this fruitless attempt at uh, clothing my daughter. To be fair to her, she does dress the teddy in the oh gloves and scarf. But, yeah, I found that and I thought it was a nice thing to do. To do. This
1: is what I've, I've, I've We've both had this experience. Both of us have in our audience sometimes not merely knitters who knit when they're, they're not seeing your show, but quite often people who actually knit during your show. What do you think it is about both of us that somehow that, that it seems knitters have been drawn uh, to to that world? It's a, it's a beautiful wow. thing to see someone who's actually enjoying a show but also creating something themselves at the same time.
2: Mm. Cardigan-based performer, Robin, and I mm. feel like if somebody comes to see you a number of times, it's really in their face, you know. You're flaunting it, the knitwear, and I feel like after a few shows people are going to feel like if they don't produce some knitwear of their own they're not reciprocating properly and i yeah, just have they, a,
1: they have said that they've said he flaunts said, he flaunts wool like lenny bruce flaunted four letter words that's pretty much <laughs> what I'm, I'm i'm the lenny bruce of lambs wool that's what i reckon
2: you've been arrested by a number of shepherds
1: yeah. <laughs> what's your show and tell Robert my show and tell is something that Helen Zaltzman did for me and I'm sure you might have some of these as well I Helen do. Zaltzman who went on to do uh, has done some some incredible podcasts and I don't know if her podcast oh. is is out at the, uh, at, at the moment oh, so uh
2: she's the people who started She was the first person to sort of regularly make a brilliant professional podcast
1: i don't know we were them. i don't know we've doing book. them in 2005 shut up josie let's let's pretend we're pioneers for a moment but we weren't <laughs> as brilliant as her so let's be fair about that the um but it was uh she also used to play the uh, xylophone as well at the book club shows that we did she was a wonderful xylophone accompanist which made this very nice kind of lo-fi sense of the velvet underground while uh uh the 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 poetry of danielle steel was read out and <laughs> She, uh I, I was obsessed years ago with a friend of mine, Charlie Skelton. We used to come up with ridiculous different versions of yo mama is uh, so fat. And one of our jokes is uh, your mama is so fat. When she gets up in the morning to put on her jeans, more often than not, she finds that she has eaten them. And uh <laughs> That was uh, then turned into uh, that. I don't know if you can how well you can see that uh, a, 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 a decorated general or emperor uh, doing that particular joke. And that is my show and tell. That is the art of Helen Zoltzman. Uh, I have
2: uh, one in the other room, but I can't get to it because it will disrupt the baby situation. Have this sort of very cheery looking nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties old school comedian who I don't know. I think she sort of found the picture. It's not a famous person, and he's saying champion. And I love it so much. It's been
1: I'll a long haul. I'll find, because I've got another one somewhere, which we took down in that interim period where you're a little bit uncertain about swearing in front of your children. That, or, yeah. you know, that, 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 those, but now my son watches Friday Night Dinner and the young ones and everything. It doesn't matter a, 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 yeah. anymore. But it was that interim. It's like, I used to have a, a wonderful, great big poster, European poster, for a film called The Devil's Daffodil. And <laughs> uh, it was Christopher Lee. It was a German, Spanish, French, Italian, and Chand Island's co-production and it had kind of like a woman in a basque and someone taking heroin and all these things in early 60s and there was that point where we went now is- where we went now the children are three we better change that and now it's a poster for an Ingmar Bergman film and we're gonna have to change that again because that of course deals a lot with existential anxiety and oh, now gosh, well, it, we'll have to change better to that. to
2: have the daffodils and the heroin to be honest a bit simpler. But
1: I think we're going to go back to that all the sword and the sorcerer I would imagine well, one of those.
2: Did somebody say heroin? <laughs>
1: no. oh, finally the second week and the madness <laughs> of the heroin panda. Uh, I, I just I'll just let me have a look at it. Please. No come on. Oh this is a Oh, this is a wonderful segue as well, because don't forget later on, your heroine Panda will be able to ask Susie Gage questions about drugs. Yes, yeah, my uh,
2: name is Peggy. I'm a friend uh, to the show. Uh, sorry. Don't this is, um, so, so uh, we
1: should say today we we have uh, Lee Ridley, uh, lost voice guy who uh, was won the BBC Radio uh, New Comedy Awards and uh, also uh, Britain's Got Talent. Britain's super- Got Talent. I know, it's
2: That's radio. a bigger deal than
1: the BBC Radio <laughs> Comedy Awards. I know, but not... look—you know—I'm fifty-one. I, I listen quite often to Radio Four. I don't watch <laughs> ITV quite so much anymore. Uh, I've seen a couple of rather interesting things on Netflix. Um, we're also joined by uh, Susie Gage, uh, whose brilliant podcast, uh, which is now also a book, say Why to Drugs. We'll be talking about that. But first of all, we are joined by uh, Mr. Good morning, Ed. Ed. Good morning, Hi.
4: and a very good morning to both of you. How are you?
1: Good.
3: Hello.
1: How, Hello. How, how are you finding this? Because I know when I was traveling around the country, yeah. You know, I, I sorry to start with this, but your magnificent tour poster, by the way, can I first of all say the image that you had for your tour poster was mm-hmm. so if people haven't seen it, look up afterwards, this really great image, a very outdoorsy kind of image. It's the it's the country file side of you. Yeah, You're getting ready for hiking.
4: Well, the, idea, the show's called If I'm Honest, and the, the, the poster's supposed to be um, reminiscent of those sort of, like, John Denver, that kind of 70s album cover, that real sort of, this is the real me, in a sort of outdoor countryside, but it's actually, it was specifically the fact that I've got a little twig in my hand that I'm sort of sniffing, it's from a George Thurigard album cover, and uh, that was sort of, and, the, and the, the background is a painting of the outdoors, so it's sort of simple, and and I'm also quite. You can see I'm quite sort of, let's say, overproduced. The faces, yeah. there's been there's been some post production done on it. Uh, so it's a sort of juxtaposition of the concept of honesty. This is the real me, with a sort of sheen put on us. A lot more thought went into it than normally goes into my posters. I have to say. Has but anybody been really striking? And in it's generally generally also
1: Because well, it's show, the, a lot the,
4: the, more thought went into the show, and now I can't
2: do it. <laughs> Tell me ever... about it. <laughs> and and has uh, anyone ever come up to you and gone? Oh, I like the uh, Lee Thorogood reference on your poster. It was very <laughs> the George
4: reference? No, nobody up on it. <laughs> absolutely nobody. It was it was the photographer Idil Sukhan, who 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 uh, who's done a lot of people's um, posters. Um, who who picked up that particular when I said '70s album cover. This is the real me, denim clad, that sort of thing. She went, I think I've just the the, the one. So that was what—that was the real inspiration.
2: For about was, ten I years, of, I used. Go sorry. On. Well, I was just saying, for about ten years, I used to always put a song lyric into one of my shows, just to see if anyone ever would ever spot it. So, like, I had a Manic Street Preachers lyric in my show for like a whole year <laughs> and a half, and one person once was like, there's was a Manic Street Preachers lyric," and I was like, yeah. "Yes, yes, it was worth it for that." Who
4: yeah, I have a similar thing. I, 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 like sneak, I like to sneak a movie quote in that's just personal to me. I, I, in this current show, it's, uh, man's got to know his limitations, which mm-hmm. is uh, Clint Eastwood's catchphrase from uh, Magnum Force. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh,
1: very few people go, was that, Magnum? Was that a Magnum Force
4: reference? <laughs> yes, well done.
5: oh that's
1: uh but whereas i uh, but whereas i again showing the kind of uh ridiculous uh kind of anachronistic nature of me mine was normally hard-boiled eggs and nuts (laughs) <laughs> and uh which is from uh, county hospital by Laurel and Hardy, Laurel and Hardy yeah but but, but now it, but but now it's so but it's it's interesting that that bit of uh like like you're that when do you sometimes when you've come up with a very small it's a very minor reference like you're talking about you know the poster and I remember one which really annoyed me was I did a show called uh Robin Ince isn't waving um and oh yes it was, it wasn't a very successful. It was one of the worst stand-up shows I think I've done. It really, looking back, I've, I'm ashamed. Uh, but it had a good poster, which was, it was I you, in you in the sea and you're
4: and you're waving. And, and I remember you saying this. And a friend of yours said, "But you're on the cover, uh, you're on the poster, and you're waving." And you no, know, the point is, I'm obviously drowning. Like that is a yeah. joke, right? And that the bit
1: me, and that the bit me going. I'm sorry. If, uh, do you not know the poetry of Stevie Smith? Would well, you know what this stuff is just wasted on everyone?
2: <laughs> how, how my mum that poem so much, and she throughout my childhood would just kind of wistfully quote it to me. So I have this really, really strong connection to it. But I feel like it's quite a a dark poem to be constantly sort of reaffirming to your child, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Just so you know, Josie, you will no, feel Josie, lost the, you will feel lost for the whole of your life. Anyway, let's have Cemantina. I, I had a poster a few years ago.
4: I did a show, got more than ten years ago now, it was called Standing Up and Falling Down. And it was based around the plot of the film Falling Down. <laughs> and I was sort of using it as sort of jumping off points for various frustrations. And the poster was the same as the poster with had the same, you know, typeface and everything. And i instead of holding a shotgun, I'm holding a microphone stand. You know, it was a fairly iconic picture, I felt, the, the, the falling down poster with Michael Douglas. And then when I went to Australia to do the show there, they just changed the poster. The promoter uh-huh. just said, no, nah, don't think anybody really remembers that film. Like, you didn't even ask me. So you, You've just got a photograph of my face. I'm sure that film is more famous than my face.
1: <laughs> We've that, weird, I, I think it's when we, real, we realize that even kind of some of the more mainstream comics that we know, most of us are more niche than we imagine. There are things which we believe are very everyone must know because we focused on them, and then you find out everyone else walked by. It's you know our, our obsession means I that sometimes. I'm certain that the film Falling Down, Staring Michael Douglas, is
4: more well known than I am. I don't think I don't think that's amazing. I don't think I'm being false modest there. I reckon that's a more successful entertainment entity than me. It, is, it made more money than I've ever made. So I, uh, I, I, I'm quite happy to say that if you think I'm well-known enough to bother putting me on a poster, then then definitely that, that film is more well-known. Yeah. That would be my opinion.
2: I'd like to ask you, yes. are you finding this experience conducive to writing stand-up comedy? God, no. Good. And it's funny...
4: And my manager, who's been my manager since I started, so 26, seven years, is like, oh, well, you can just start working on the next show now. No, I can't. I've always, every time I think of an idea, I have to go to a comedy club and try it out. I don't know something's funny until I hear an audience laughing at the first time. So it's not it's not getting written until I can actually get out there and give it a, give it a whirl. So there's nothing getting written right now. I have just written off this year. I am lucky enough that I have a house... Which has equity I can release, which is another way of saying I've had to remortgage. But yeah, I can I can sort of sit on my arse for a year, and I'm i lucky enough in that way. But everything has just been reset for me. I'm just sitting and doing nothing, and then hopefully can pick up. Luckily, I'm not the most topical comedian in the world, so the show I had been touring that'll be picking up again next January. Um, you know, jokes about raising kids and being useless will still be funny next year there's not a massive amount of stuff about you know brexit or which in fairness would still be rumbling on anyway you know um so yeah i've just had to just sit tight
1: well i know that you have well i know that you have got though something to show into in terms because i do love you know it was only a few years ago that i really became aware of how much you enjoyed the outdoor life you know and Mm -hmm. and and that kind of and, and and getting out there and uh, and I wonder, you know, how, how are you finding, the? what have you found to kind of replace, for the time being, the ability to yomp through the countryside and up I,
4: Luckily enough, I have a decent enough size garden. It's not massive. They can't get lost in the like that. But I have got, uh, I've got a woodpile I've been working on.
1: I think that's going to be your show and pile. tell, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Can we yeah, see? Can, can we see? see, like the, to see it now? I think yeah. this is the biggest show and tell this is. I don't actually have, I don't have like trees, uh, you know, in my garden. I have a couple of trees, but not the ones that, that, I, that I, I don't use them for the woodpile. But I know people who've got sort of woodlands next to them and around them. I know some farmers in the area. And when they get a tree down, they let me have a, they let me take it.
2: What and, part uh, of the world are you in?
4: Uh, Essex, near Saffron Wall. This is really quite magnificent. I've built the frame as well.
2: Ooh, See this, this, wow. is my,
4: this is my woodpile.
2: That's very impressive.
4: Yeah, that's that's mainly that's mainly blackthorn and hawthorn that is. But that's that's yeah. It's I was going to uh, say
2: it looked like a thorn uh, cut, cut. And so is that really, I mean, in terms of
1: the log process? The log process. The, did really, you very happy with that. Us, was that the dampest logs you showed us? And then you scanned across into the drying section, or is there a system, a Jenga-based system in your? log it'll, line? it
4: it'll, it'll sort of move about. The next ones to burn will be these ones here. These ones here are, 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 are the driest. and the last ones will be these ones here. these are the freshest down here. I'll be sorry to let them go because those look particularly uniform, don't they?
3: Mm.
1: Yeah Do you ever <laughs> find <laughs> that that the destruction <laughs> that, that the destruction of structure, uh, ultimately it's more worrying than the need for warmth. I mean, well, I suppose they are, part, of the whole they are. part of the whole problem with entropy in the universe anyway, but... Uh, I love about, what uh, they always say about, about wood is that wood will warm you twice,
4: once when you're chopping it, and then again when you burn it. You get, you get, more, you get more warmth from the exercise of actually chopping it than you do from when then the release when you set, set fire to it. Oh, that's anyway, great. that's me. That's the busy I've been keeping. Um, it's <laughs> funny, I keep getting asked, like, oh, why don't you do some stuff online? Why don't you do that? Like, like I wouldn't have already done stuff online if I was, you know, that sort of person. If, like, it never would have occurred to me to do it when online was invented. I don't, I, can't, I don't have any characters or sketches lying around that I've been dying to just put out there. It's like, well, you can just do that. Why don't you just do some stuff from home? Because I don't do that. That's why I can't do that. I think if I could do that, I wouldn't already have been doing that. The one good thing about the shut-in, the one good thing about the shut-in for everybody, this hairstyle's becoming quite fashionable. <laughs> I've, I've, had, I've had coronavirus shutdown hair my, my whole career. And now, now everybody's just following suit.
1: And thinking of your, of, of, of your career, I, I would, by the way, we just have to say that on the live feed, there are a lot, of, live people said, said, there are a lot of people who've said they have woodpile envy.
4: Yeah. So, uh,
3: this is and sad. so you should. And so you should.
1: I, feel
4: oh like I'm almost, I almost feel like I'm going to be a miser with it now. I'm just going to never burn it. I'm just going to sit and admire it <laughs> and just use the central heating.
1: I just see now your children wrapped up in all manner of all manner of rags. Can can we have a log now, Father? No, not yet. You've got cold enough to ruin the log pile. If I I were to ruin
4: the symmetry of the entire thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you something about your stand-up, actually, because um, you, when you started, you were one of those people who I think was uh, felt quite fully formed. You know, from the, from the first gigs that I saw you at, you were were a very I- impressive comic, and you know, it, it was you know, back. What, what was it, ninety four, something like that, ninety five, maybe? Was, well, was I was St- from I- a lot of people, so <laughs> <laughs> that was an no, interesting. Anyway, that's nice of you I- to say. But Years ago when I was I was gigging in South Africa and uh, I remember going to one of the comedians' houses and I thought, my God, I've, never, thought, seen, my God, I've so- never seen so many VHSs of stand-up comics. This guy has a huge collection. And then that night I watched his act and I went, oh, I have never seen the results only seen the VHSs of um. But what I wondered was we had Joe Brand on the other day and I remember Joe saying something when I was when I was a young stand-up. She said the trouble with being a stand-up is actually you don't really know who you are till you're 30. And I wondered that as someone who actually was very impressive, you know, for, for in their early twenties. Now, when you look back, do you feel there is a way that you, uh, how much has changed in the way you can express yourself and the world you show. And you think, yeah, the, there is a point where you suddenly go. Now you were an effective stand-up. Now you're there's something much fuller about that, something fuller about the expression of it. Um, I, I think
4: w- when I was younger, I would, uh, I would say anything to get a laugh
1: and, uh,
4: And for the most part, that proved quite effective. Uh, I think now I am probably just, and I don't think it's necessarily because of the backlash you get from people complaining afterwards uh, via social media. I just think I'm more careful about what I say. And I don't think I'm as brash necessarily on stage as, but I think that just, again, that just comes with age. I have the, the, the main difference, and I've said this a lot of time in interviews between, and it may not seem like a big deal, but between now and w- when I was younger, is that I won't say anything that I don't actually think is true now, unless it's an absolute <laughs> obvious joke. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and then I killed him. Whatever. You know. Uh, but uh, like when I was younger, I would say I used to I used to have a whole routine about hating kids, and I've never hated kids. <laughs> I used to be a baby. I've always I've always liked kids, uh, but I I would say that I hated it because it was an, a useful comedy device, and now. I just wouldn't. I just, you know, even if it's only a minor thing, it's not a bit necessarily about politics or anything like that. But, you know, when I was, you know, if, if I would say I was single, even if I was going out with somebody, if it, if I had a good joke about being single. But now I just have a thing that I like to tell the, 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 the truth, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It's just, it's, it's, that's a major
2: No, but it makes, I think it makes you, oh, it makes one a more real, like people know deep down They'll enjoy a routine that's based on something that's obviously a construct and you can go so far with it. But if you're actually explaining something that you believe or that you deeply felt or that's real, people just know and they connect with it better. Yeah, I think so.
4: Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And also, I mean, I do look back on some of the brasher, younger me stuff. And even even like the routine about Alance Morissette's Ironic. You know the, the 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 structure that was all well and good, but there's a bit at the start where I'm just giving out about her in general and calling, calling her like a moany cow and a whining, and I look back on that and go, I, I'm not comfortable with that at all now. I really, <laughs> really don't 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 like it. It's unnecessarily mean, and that, so that's just one of the 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 the, the, the differences I think.
1: Yeah, I think I said, that yeah, bit, bit think where said, you're kind of where you're kind of you are doing to a certain extent received ideas. You're doing the presumption of what I think yes. this is what the audience wants and I think this is what a comic would do. I don't know if that yeah. if that makes sense. This is what a comic yeah. would do. And then there's a point for you know where you go, Oh, this is what I want want to do. This is yeah. I don't and have I, to play the part of a comic. In the nineties yeah,
4: as well, that sort of loaded FHM sort of era, you know, that ladsy comedy with, you know, people like Frank Skinner and stuff like that, and even, you know, yeah, sort of early sort of newman of a deal and that 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 brashness was very in vogue. And that sort of hey, chicks, huh? You know, was very kind of uh, was yeah, was was you know we worked. It was very effective. And and I just I I think I look back on some of that and uh, and and don't feel entirely proud of everything that came out of my gob.
1: No, I, I think that, I think that's. But that's good, isn't it? Because it means that in, in, even though you can feel, and I still feel, there's bits where I go, I can't believe I did that joke or about that, whatever it might be. That at least means you go, oh, good, I'm not the same person I was five years ago yeah. and the person ten years ago, and that's some kind of progress. Hopefully, yeah. And also, well, also,
2: sorry. You know, well, we'll well, I'm sorry, some <laughs> <laughs> right. you, you, you This go. is
4: the conversational Calm. equivalent of standing on a, a path and just getting out of each other's way and getting in yeah. other's way by doing so. Um, no, I think sometimes when it comes to the the what we call cancel culture, a lot of the time when we talk about when you when you earn, I mean, it's one thing when you earn something somebody said like two years ago that's fair enough, but when you earn something that somebody said twenty years ago and go oh, look 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 at how you know what 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 they thought look how look how transphobic that was or look how sexist that was and like that Partly, you kind of go well should we not also be congratulating ourselves for how far we've come in 20 years that that is no longer acceptable you know rather than rather than hauling people out for what they said 20 years ago should we not be slightly proud that what they said what that person said 20 years ago is now not a, not acceptable anymore
2: but also here we all are saying if there were things i said back then and they're not acceptable even I acknowledge that and don't like it so I feel like if people were to find things from the past and say look why did you do this I think all of us would be up for being like <laughs> I really would never do that now you know like so I think it's like every, every all of us can just understand context and still be a bit like
3: yeah
2: you know oh. appreciative of that although well.
4: having said having said that I I still can't believe that Eddie Murphy's delirious That he ever worked again <laughs> like, <laughs> And you look At the things he said About AIDS And gay people In that Like even six months later By the time It hit the cinema It was like Oh No dude No That's not I'm I'm I mean, And also I'm he became amazed. Like
2: a family star
4: He did kids
3: movies <laughs> Daddy daycare Daddy
2: daycare too Daddy daycare
3: too Anyway
1: Happy birthday Eddie Murphy Uh 59th day Um the uh oh, we're going to go over to uh lee in a moment i'll just quickly mention that uh, uh we have a little tip jar at the bottom probably a lot of you know this uh anyway whether you're watching this on youtube whether you're watching it live now and um, we're basically uh collecting a fun together for a lot of the kind of performers and artists who uh will have no work over the next few months because as ed kind of mentioned there really e- even when this ends this period most i think a lot of performers anyway everything's been cancelled at least as far as kind of i think we're now looking at the end of july is the emails that are coming now so we're trying to make sure that we've got a fund for some of those people who are the comics who are just you know and and the singers and all of the different artists who are going to have have problems over the next few months and also for some of the smaller art centers and uh, and places like that again which are going to really struggle after this so we're trying to make sure that we've got some money that we can uh, give to them as well so if you are able to uh leave something in our virtual tip jar that is Fantastic, thank you very much. Not,
4: not for us, not for us, because
1: we, we have, just, we, can access. we can access.
3: Yeah,
2: Just for <your> um, <laughs> the Alice, We've
1: got altruism.
2: Well, um, I feel um, some charities sort of uh, are being like, oh, I see comedians are streaming, and w- would you ask me to support the charity? And I'm like, yes, but also please, <laughs> I have no work. Feels them, um, yeah, feels very weird. A weird, weird time. Uh,
1: Oh, go ahead. You.
2: Pardon? You. You can... Would you like... Or shall I I do then? Well, the winner. The winner of Britain's Got Talent. And, of course, also the BBC Radio Company. (laughs) That's how I would have bloody done it. I'm I'm so excited. Um, We shared a venue together, I think, in 2016, I want to say in Edinburgh and we'd have a little chat every day it's really exciting to have you on the uh, on the virtual show ladies and gentlemen it's Lost Voice Guy aka Lee Rigby hey how are you?
3: I'm good thanks
2: (laughs) thanks for doing this
3: my pleasure
2: um, we've got some questions uh, to ask you about this, Robin. Have, have you got? Lee's
1: going to do. Uh, I think if you, if you, if you 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 are you going to have a, are you, we're going to have a bit of a set as well. First of all, for Lee. Oh,
3: amazing. So, oh, ladies thanks.
1: and gentlemen, oh, please thanks. welcome. Sorry, to his, intro, uh, I'm not I don't think it is. It. I'm not sure if it's his front room or his hallway, but please welcome live, direct from quite close to his radiator.
3: Hello, <laughs> ladies
6: and gentlemen. Before we get started. I don't always look this rough when I'm performing. I'm just worried in case a benefit fraud inspector is watching. So I'm trying to look as
3: disabled as possible. This is also the reason why I
6: won't be ending the show with my usual song and dance routine. Let me tell you, you get asked some really strange questions when you are disabled though. My disability is called cerebral palsy. Recently I was asked what sort of cerebral palsy I had. I wasn't even aware that there was different brands of it. I have definitely not got any designer brand of cerebral palsy. I think I picked mine up from Wilkinson's. Whenever I'm asked, what sort of cerebral palsy I had, I always want to say I got the bad, kind, I don't know what they expect me to say. Next they will be asking me to rate my cerebral palsy on a scale from 1 to 10. 10 being really bad, and 1 being a benefit cheat, appearing on the Jeremy Kiebel show. I have been called many different names in the past. Just last week someone called me physically challenged, which I always thought was a game on the crystal maze. Of course, other names have not been as nice. In fact, I'm sick of getting pointed at, laughed at, looked at strangely treated as if I am stupid and called names just because I am different. It's not even my fault that I'm from Newcastle. It's at this point in my set, when I like to remind people that I'm not related to Stephen Hawking in any way. However, I was asked by a taxi driver if I was as clever as him once. I'm clearly not as clever as them, or I wouldn't be in this generic town or city, talking a load of rubbish. In fact, the closest I have ever come to being Hawking is when I went to see The Theory of Everything at the cinema. It's the movie about Stephen Hawking and his life. I didn't go to watch it though. I just went so that I could sit at the back say
1: random sentences on my iPad, and mess with the rest of the audience. Hawking would say something on screen, and then I would speak
6: up at the back, and explain that I didn't say that at all. And that the movie was putting words into my machine. One guy in front of me seemed to be really impressed that it was being shown in surround sound. Then, at other times, I would type what I thought he was going to say just before he said it. I often get asked if I am out with my carer as well. I really wish people would stop thinking that the people I am out with must be my carers. Because obviously disabled people couldn't just be out with friends. That would just be stupid. Just to put the record straight, I have always been very social and have a lot of mates. I had some great friends at school. Like most good friends, we got up to our fair share of mischief when we were together. Such as the time I borrowed my friend's wheelchair and stood outside a church, trying to sell it because a miracle had happened and I had been healed. Or, when I went to the zoo, with my mate who had one arm, went into the lion enclosure and asked him to point out which one of the lions had took the other arm in front of loads of children. And, we used to love sending my blind friend really erotic letters from a pretend girlfriend because we knew his mother would have to read them to him. Another question that I get asked quite often is, have I ever tried to talk just to see what would happen? As if I had
3: just been lazy all of my life and therefore just couldn't be bothered to
6: talk. Like I was only putting it on to take advantage of the disabled parking. But in case you are wondering, I haven't tried to talk before. Mainly because I know
3: nothing would happen. Besides, I've built a career out of not being able to speak now. I don't think I should be
6: encouraging my voice to magically reappear too much. The found voice guy just doesn't have the same ring to it. I do actually talk in my sleep though because I always wake up with random sentences typed out on my iPad.
3: Admittedly, this job would be so much easier
6: if I could talk. Because apparently it's very important to get your tone of voice right when doing comedy. So that means I'm completely screwed. For example, this is what I sound like when I'm excited, And this is what I sound like when I'm miserable. And this is what I sound like when I'm happy. And this is what I sound like when I'm bored. In fact, the only time I sound any different is on Tuesday nights when I pretend to be a woman. Ladies and gentlemen, I have been the last awesome voice, Guy. If you find my voice, please contact me as soon as possible on my social media. Enjoy the rest of your
1: day. Goodbye. Thank you so much, Lee.
2: Thanks so much.
1: Um, we've got a couple of questions for you. Just uh, the, the one that I... When, in, in terms of when you you started comedy about, uh, well, I mean the BBC New Comedy Awards, which is what I know you best from. <laughs> you know, some, uh, you know, that that's, that's six, seven years ago. Before that, what were your influences in in kind of watching comedy? What who who I were the people you thought right? That's what I want to do. Well, I adore the League of Gentlemen. Mm-hmm. I think the gents helped to show me that being
6: difficult was definitely definitely an advantage when it came to being funny. They helped me view my life in a completely different way. Suddenly, other than be self-conscious about. After all, I do quite enjoy knowing that an audience isn't entirely comfortable. I think it's a very powerful position to be in.
3: But I'm also a huge fan of Ross Noble. I just love how quick-witted and random he can be and he has been a massive help to me. Not only did he invite me to warm up for him at
6: one of his Newcastle gigs, he has also been very helpful with advice and things like that. So I owe him a lot, both as a fan and as a performer.
2: Ross Noble is such a generous and kind man. He's the best. best. I remember the first time uh, I got to go to the Melbourne Comedy Festival, he basically let about... Five of us come and camp out on his farm near Melbourne. It was the greatest night. It was like Willy Wonka. It was like we'd all won this prize, and he sort of like bought loads of little tents. It was astonishing. It was the most generous thing. And he took us on his um on the back of his van to go and see co- um kangaroos with a big torch. So we got to like um uh, shine down kangaroos. Yeah, he's the best. What a, what a brilliant. <laughs> member of the comedy community. Like what an incredible person.
1: Um have you got Joseph? Um, have, have you got Joseph, have you got any questions?
2: Oh apparently Russ oh, Nobles, apparently Russ Noble's at doing the like, same time and some people are oh, watching both at the same time.
1: Oh we've clashed. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well now you've, to, now you've told now you've told everyone bye bye everyone. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for watching. The um I, I was wondering as well, Lee, whether you kind of feel do you feel like a trailblazer? Um or is it for others to uh, declare your genius? <laughs>
3: I
6: didn't start stand-up comedy to become a role model. I appreciate that I have inadvertently become one. I don't really see myself as an inspiration or anything. I'm just a bloke trying to get on
3: with his life. I'm not doing anything special. But
6: I don't mind if other people see me as a role model. If it helps encourage them to follow their dreams and gives them hope for the future, then I'm not going to complain about that. But, of course, some people don't like what I do, and it's fair enough as well. I appreciate that my comedy isn't for everyone. i had first-hand experience of facing an audience who weren't sure about the disabled bloke on stage at the start of the night. But by the end of the night, they'd forgotten all of that awkwardness and social anxiety and were just enjoying someone telling jokes for a living. I won't mention the time I got asked after a gig if I was a character, I was a character. (laughs) Suffice to say, some people are beyond
3: help.
1: thank you so much for joining us Lee and we should mention as well that uh, Lee's book is out now as well I think it came out the, the uh, a, a, a few months ago so at the moment of course again if you, if you are, are looking for books and you can you obviously get them on Kindle and things like that go and uh, look for Lee's book as well and uh, Lee hopefully we won't be inviting you back because if we're inviting you back it means this has gone on for months and months and months oh. that's <laughs> what we kind of so uh, with luck we're, you know, we yeah, we pray we've got we've got Tim Weiss's but um, I hope you will stage. come back if, if this is still going on in May I hope you'll join us again
3: yeah.
6: Yeah. thanks
1: very much cheers. cheers thank you lee um and a reminder again there uh, about the, uh, the the tip jar at the bottom here which is uh, also to uh, try and make sure uh, that we build up a fund for a lot of the performers the artists musicians comedians etc and also some of the smaller venues to which they play in as well uh now uh, we are joined by the author and podcaster and academic <laughs> uh, who's Susie Gage? Hello, how Susie. How are you? Hello,
5: I am. Uh, situation um, notwithstanding, good. Thank you very much. How are you?
1: Good. Yeah. I mean, you—you are—you are—you are, you're you inv- are you're involved in. Obviously, you're, you're up in Liverpool in academia, and for, you know, there's a kind of idea that for teachers and lecturers, are, oh, it must be really easy now, as opposed yeah. to actually the truth, which is in, in the schools and the colleges and the universities, it appears attempting to keep everything going in you know but using the, the the technology we have uh people are working incredibly hard are you how are you managing yeah, at the moment do-
5: yeah i've seen some people say oh universities are closed but actually they're not universities are still entirely trying to do pretty much or as much as possible that they can but just not going into the buildings so students are still going to be doing exams um next month i've spent the last couple of weeks marking coursework. Um, we're moving all lectures online, um, seminars online, all sorts of things. So it's it's trying to sort of learn a completely new way of, of working with the students. And it's obviously there's more difficulties because not all students have access to technology to be able to get online to do some of these things. So that's kind of working out what students are being more or less disadvantaged by this and just just everything changing really and obviously all the research as well which is a main a major part of what I do too Um, I've got a PhD student who was just about to start running focus groups and then run a study which would involve bringing people into a lab and getting them to do experiments and that kind of thing and obviously well we don't know when we'll be able to do anything like that again so it's a strange old time
1: and also it's and also it's a tough time because you've got, you know, a, a book that came out this year and like a lot of authors, one of the main ways that uh, you, you can, you know, you, you talk about your book, you go and you do festivals, you do events, you go to bookshops and all of that has kind of been cut off. So can you tell us a little bit, you to, to to, say uh, why to drugs, which I've read and is a very useful and, and interesting book.
5: Why, thank you. Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got props, don't worry. Um, yeah, so this has been the thing that I've been working on for the last two years, really. Uh, kind of came out of the podcast that I started with Scroobius Pip um, with the same name, which is looking at the science of what we know about the effects of recreational drugs, both short term and long term, making no distinction between drugs that happen to be uh, legal or regulated in our society and drugs where you um, if you have a court with possession of it or you're trying to sell them, you'll get into lots of trouble. It's any kind of psychoactive substance. And so it takes in the sort of the biochemistry, but also the societal impact and um, the health and mental health impacts as well of 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 various different substances
1: well as we've got you know ed beforehand was talking about being a very very big john denver john denver fan and so i wonder if you can tell us about the kind of the both the the advantages and disadvantages of a rocky mountain high
2: (laughs) (laughs) i was wondering where that was going robin absolutely (laughs) Absolutely.
1: welcome to
2: daytime We're like a very, a very cerebral Holly and Phil. Yeah, what's that, Eamon
1: Holmes? What, all your work's gone? Oh, all yeah. your work's gone, yeah. Josie and Robin will be replacing you. <laughs> But I was going to ask you, Ed, do you have, you know, this this book, you may not have seen it yet, but are there certain things, you know, in terms of, you know, on the comedy circuit, in entertainment as well, there are all all manner of different things out there. And actually having some guide to understanding what can happen to someone's mind, I wonder if there's any particular kind of drugs you've read about, not that you're going to use or anything like that, that you just find that intrigues me, knowing about that from a kind of, actually from a scientific perspective, what they really do, what they're doing to the brain, what they're doing to, within Mm -hmm. communication. Is oh, he... you're muted, I think.
2: <laughs> oh, Ed, no. Ed, you've muted yourself. I think you're still on mute.
1: Oh, well, it's yeah, very. Do you know what? What you're doing, though, is you would have been a wonderful silent movie star. <laughs> but, um, oh, yeah, uh, he's, gone. he's gone. He's <laughs> had enough of that. He's, he's, gonna...
2: he's had enough. He's off. I not want to talk about. Because you talk about drugs, do you find that people now see you as like a druggy figure? Do people sort of okay, like what has that done for you? Is it been interesting for you? Has it been interesting? It's really, really, really it's really, really interesting, really, really
5: interesting um, the kind um, of the kind of people ask <laughs> <are> about. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I, I <laughs> did I,
4: I did I I didn't mute myself. I did hang up on myself that <laughs> <Yeah. idea. laughs> In an I'm sure Trent muted me, but I, I could be wrong.
1: Trent Come, Chris, you. We've reached of narcissism in this isolation <laughs> that we're hanging up on ourselves. This is. Uh no, I just wonder because I know that you're you're someone, you know, who does have a great interest in science as well. And that kind of scientific yes. perspective uh, of, of drugs. And that's what this book, you know, looks at, at what we understand. Some of them we have very little understanding of, mm-hmm. I think. And I wonder if there's any in particular that you kind of read about. That you think that that is a fascinating thing to, you know, now we know there are experiments being done with LSD and stuff like that by David Nutt. Uh, you know, where you are, fMRIs are being used and stuff. Are there any way you go now? That's the one that fascinates me.
4: I think uh, if you have if you too, have too much knowledge, it can absolutely ruin your buzz. <laughs> <laughs> that's, one, that's, that, that's one aspect. I know myself. You know, um, with, with, with LSD, uh, if you read too much about it, then uh, and then take it, you'll become obsessed with what's happening. You, if, if you it all just becomes a bit too uh, uh, self-examinatory, if that's a word.
1: During this period of. Like- our- you are allowed to have self-examinatory. Did you find, susie of, of,
3: of, the ones, of the ones that you, uh, yeah,
1: which you kind of deal with pretty much everything that's out there, as far as I know, uh, it's a very complete book. Were there any where you really went? That is quite remarkable. That something, something can do some psychoactive property can do that to to the human mind.
5: I think the chapter I enjoyed writing the most was the chapter about ketamine. The chapter about ketamine, just because it's it's a substance though, and I. Lived in Bristol for 12 years and Bristol had a bit of a reputation for being quite a ketamine city. Um, and as a recreational drug, there are risks to your bladder from using it, and it can be quite extreme. You can because it's a dissociative anaesthetic, you can find yourself in quite vulnerable situations where you're not able to necessarily look after yourself properly because of this kind of anesthesia effect that it has on you. Yeah. And so in terms of a recreational drug, it's got that kind of a reputation, but it's also on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines because it's incredibly useful for its anaesthetic properties. In other anaesthetics also depress your breathing and your heart rate, but ketamine doesn't do that so much. So if you haven't got access to respiratory machines, then it's a sort of safer for want of a better word um anesthetic to use and it's also why it's really useful in veterinary medicine as well it's apparently so it's it's called a horse tranquilizer because that's kind of what it is although apparently it's really useful in camel surgery that's what i learned
4: (laughs) (laughs) can i say just have a moment to just congratulate bristol because i don't know what a city has to do to get a reputation as being <laughs> a bit of a ketamine cyst. <laughs> yeah. But in fact, that Brit, I think that's that's quite an achievement on, on I don't Bristol's, know. I do uh, worry
5: part. that it says more about my, about circle, my circle of friends <laughs> than it does about uh, the city of Bristol. Just that that's what I've heard. But
1: <laughs> do you know, in terms of the ketamine thing, because you mentioned vets, the, the, almost one of the last gigs I did uh, uh, an event about uh, canine ear health. So I had to come up... <laughs> you, know, you know that thing? I, I'm sure, Ed, you've had those things where you get certain events you're asked to do and you suddenly go, I've never had... Had to write a routine involving canine ear health before so let's see where this goes but <laughs> i have, <a> book
2: <laughs> I I used have you to got a 5 from. minute dog ear bit yeah, I've got I a mean,
1: dog ear bit i was very lucky to have a long-haired dachshund when i was a child and of course their ears you know there's just so much material there so that was good but it was um the uh, there was a book that i used to read from a uh, mills and boom when we did book club and it was called uh, vets at cross purposes and uh, <laughs> There's this wonderful (laughs) chapter where one of the vets is getting very angry about a drug called phenylbutazone or phenylbutazone. And I wondered whether that, if you know anything about that, he's furious because due to EU regulations uh, and the banning of it because it may get used in the horse meat food trade industry. And it's just this beautiful kind of, you know, that bit where you go, this is just too much information for a racy romance. This is very much a, oh my God, I've still a chapter short, phenylbutazone, I'll have a little (laughs) little laugh about that
5: hmm I mean I can't answer much I mean I can't answer much about phenylbutazone but I did I did interview a vet for the book and particularly about the ketamine chapter and it was the thing that I found really interesting is that drugs like ketamine drugs that humans can use as drugs of abuse are treated more sort of carefully legally by vets than the drugs that they use to euthanize animals those they they've the way that you have to manage ketamine in a in a, in a veterinary uh, situation is sort of by weighing it at the start and the end of each shift and if any's gone it has to all be accounted for and if you take it out of the locked cabinet then you have to make a note of it if you t- have to take it out to the just tend to a horse or what have you you have to keep really meticulous records and it's kind of for the euthanasia drugs apparently and I vets if I'm wrong please do correct me but this is what I was told is that um it's sort of you can do that but you don't have to by law which you do for drugs like like ketamine.
1: Well, that's, uh, that may well change my reading of that chapter at the next Canine Ear Health. I'll, I'll know that the pandemic is over when I'm back in a room in an event about Canine Ear Health. Um, Susie, have you got a show and tell, by the way, for us?
5: I do. I've got two, if that's allowed. Not my book. Yeah. Okay, that is here as well.
1: <laughs> I'm just worried about the way that Ed's looking at your piano, thinking that could all be kindling.
5: Well, <laughs> my first show and tell is, is a book. A book of the piano music of all Chopin's preludes. And is that what you've been doing? That's what I've been doing to, because I'm working in the same room that is my relaxation room and so it's really difficult to sort of know when the day ends, the work day ends. So what I've been doing is I've been going, closing my laptop and sitting at the piano and playing for an hour and kind of just like decompressing and it's amazing. So Chopin has been good, but also some of the uh, music from Westworld, Uh, all of the piano arrangements. So Heart-Shaped Box in particular by Nirvana and A Forest by The Cure, they're really beautiful sort of um, arpeggiated arrangements of those that I've managed to to find online and work out. And um, so I've been playing those. You do know that at the end we'll be
1: asking you just to take your earphones out and just go, play just go out. Over to yeah. and just play that because <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. uh, the show that I might be doing or might not in in October. It's called the Satanic Rites of Robin Ince, which is all about my kind of love of horror films when I was a kid and lots of. And hopefully we're going to do some gigs of those together because uh, uh, Susie is also uh, a huge admirer of Goblin and I other did, of the 1970s. I did used
5: to be the, the keyboardist in a Goblin covers band called Il, Goblin, yeah, wow. which wow. <laughs> One of the most fun times of my life, and really, really quite difficult to play. But the other thing—what was the name of the band? Movie, what
4: was the, what was the name Goblini. of the cover band?
5: Il Goblini. Okay.
4: Yeah. What? what uh, you wouldn't have gone for Hobgoblin, no? <laughs>
5: <laughs> we wanted it to sound sort of Italian, but it just sort of—yeah, I think it was misjudged. But <clears throat> and the other thing I've got is—can you see that? It's uh, build oh, no. your own the Wicker Man puppet procession. <laughs> Which was the best Christmas present I got this year, and that's my plan for the weekend. I'm going Rick, to build my back. own I Lord Isle. Huh? How
1: can we get that from? Um, that. I'm
5: sure um, uh, Jim Murray found it for me, and I'm sure that I'll be able to find out where he got it, and I'll let you know. But yeah, it looks pretty amazing.
1: <laughs> if, if by the way, if anyone didn't see yesterday, Smith was- on one of his show and tells was he was given uh, a piece of wood. From the original Wicker Man. Wonderful. it was that that made me think
5: about uh, showing you
2: this. Yeah. And And then Christopher Lee certified uh, it as genuine for him.
1: Certified by Lord Summer Isle. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yes. And so how are so, you uh, when you're not doing the academic work are you have you managed as you were saying you've you've created a structure for your day because i think that's what a lot of people are finding hard is that bit of going yeah if, if you just i mean comics anyway know this that whole thing of when you especially when you're a new comic and you go um well i kind of have work today because i did 20 minutes this evening and the rest of your <laughs> day is just off, you know, kind of yeah ether and are, are you finding that possible
5: It's tough. You have to kind of settle into not beating yourself up if you don't achieve as much as you would like. And just, I don't know, that's what I'm trying to do anyway, is sort of give myself a bit of a break and say, look, as long as I've done, I've done something, I've got dressed, I've had a shower, I've turned the computer on, I've sent a few emails, I've... doing the marking was a good thing to do that was something I'm really struggling to do research and also at the moment I've got a public engagement fellowship from the welcome trust and it's really difficult to do public engagement when you're not allowed to engage with the public (laughs) so um, lots of like maybe you say well that's fine you just move it on to on online but a lot of the stuff I was doing before this was blogging and podcasting and online stuff and the whole point of my fellowship was to try and do other things so it feels a little bit like a step backwards but I think it's just a step sort of sideways and um, one of the really exciting things so I teach on the medical degree at Liverpool and a lot of our final year medics are being sort of fast-tracked so that they can go to work as soon as possible and start sort of being on the front line. That's true of the medics and also of the the nursing qualification that we do as well. So there's a lot of students in Liverpool who are about about to be going and doing this really incredible thing. So with some other um, psychologists in, in our department and in the university, we're trying to create some resources to kind of offer support to these young people who are about to be going and doing something amazing but potentially really, really tough for them.
3: Wow.
1: And one final question for you. Uh, everyone's always said now I have this time, I'm going to do the, you know, every, I, I think there's going to be an enormous number of people who believe they were going to read James Joyce's Ulysses during the uh, pandemic and have failed as they failed in all <laughs> other scenarios. Have you got one of those things, whether it's a, a, a film, a book or anything, you go, well, you know, I've, I've got the I, time.
4: I think the I think the real victim in all of this are the uh, assistants who work at production companies who are going to have to read all the really poorly structured but mm-hmm. gag-heavy movie scripts written <laughs> by comedians who are currently out of work. I think that's going to be the... Uh, I, and I think we will. I think, you know... A year or two years down the track, there's going to be some really quite funny movies. Are and plays? There's going to be some very thoughtful and dark plays written by comedians who are giving a new outlet to themselves. Um, I, I, I'm sure it's something like that. I'll 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 churn out. I say that, but uh, i would probably just turn my woodpile into toothpicks. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't think wait the important. To see-
4: Sorry I,
3: Sorry, I
5: think the important thing like, like, to, to keep
3: stressing to people
5: is that this is such an unusual time, time, and, and if, if you, you don't, don't come out, out of it with a film script, script you, you haven't let, let anyone, anyone down.
2: <laughs> you <know>? like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there like, yeah. like, like, was, was a really, really nice tweet I saw, I saw that was like, like you're, you're not, not working from home, you were trying to work at home during a global pandemic. It's just not the same. Nobody's life is the same apart from... I don't, I don't know.
3: know. I
4: don't I know, know. know I have thought of the the drug, drug fact, though, though, that uh, I find particularly interesting, which is that the legal definition of narcotic and the medical definition of narcotic are two different things. And I, did, I didn't know. I learned that recently. Because narcotics are specifically drugs that sort of put you to sleep, hence narco, as in narcolepsy. But in, in, in America particularly, you know the narcotics division is just any drugs that are illegal. So you have like the narco gangs in Mexico; they're all selling cocaine. You say, "Guys, you aren't narcos at all. You have completely misnamed <laughs> yourselves."
2: And I, I advise you to go and tell them that because I feel they're no, very I'm ris- going to have a
4: wrongly worded letter. <laughs>
1: I,
2: I think we're probably coming to the end of our time, aren't we,
1: Susie? Can are you are you able to uh, go to the piano? You can leave oh, your laptop. You put uh, me on the spot. Yeah, okay, yeah.
5: Let me see if I take my headphones out. Is that going to be?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think you can even just leave. I don't know how. I reckon if you leave that there, and you can either play Goblin, whatever. Let's see what happens.
5: I'll try and play you some Chopin. All right, copyright free, of, you of course. Everyone, by the way, for. Oh,
1: watching Uh, thank you very much everyone who was able to donate as well Uh, next week well tomorrow uh, in the morning tomorrow we've got uh, a kids science show at uh, (laughs) 11am Josie's doing another quarantine comedy club tomorrow night and then Sunday we've got two science Q&As in the afternoon we've got a science Q&A which is a general one uh, uh, about physics about the universe about whatever you would like to ask about science and then at 7pm in the evening as I've said already to our great disappointment due to Janet Street Porter and Vanessa Feltz. Saying no instead we're having to do a q a about the pandemic with people who work in the world of immunology virology and uh mathematical statistics as well so that will be on on sunday night at seven and then next week we uh i think monday we have russell Kane. tuesday we'll have tim minchin with us uh we have lots of other guests as well so uh, and if you can subscribe to our youtube channel that would be lovely wouldn't
2: thank you, you. say i would I love it thank, thank you. you so much I'm, I'm a bit distracted today because i'm I don't know why, but exhausted. Well, so. I think
1: that's quite comprehensible. Um, Ed, Lee, thank you very much. Thank you, and you so much for
2: coming on. It's really exciting. Hats you. Hats
1: with her show power, it is Il Goblino's... <laughs> Thank you very much, Susie. Thank that was you. great. I was, I, that felt like a league of gentlemen moment. You were gonna turn around and have a skull face. <laughs> <Don't worry. laughs> bye
3: bye.
0: Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home to catch up on all the previous episodes, find out who's coming up on upcoming episodes, and to leave a tip for acts and artists and venues who are hit hardest at the moment. And if you'd like to support us at the Cosmic Shambles Network, patreon.com slash bookshambles. Oh